Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and today we're going to finish the chapter. The section that we're going to look at, verses 5 through 24, Paul is at the end of the letter. So what we have in these verses are some greetings, some instructions, and a brief synopsis of uh, Paul's ministry slash travel plans, which are all subject to the Lord's will. And there's also some very strong exhortations to the uh, Corinthian believers. They are primarily concerned with uh, giving out instructions and saluting people, uh, giving a a hello, a shout-out, and a goodbye. But they also give us a really good picture of Paul's life and how he held his life. And uh, we're going to go through them. I will attempt to pronounce some of these names correctly for you scholars out there. But I will remind you that mocking your pastor is not a spiritual gift. Okay. Starting at verse 5, Paul writes, After passing through Macedonia, I will visit you, for I intend only to pass through Macedonia. But it may be that I will I may that it may be that I will stay with you for a while, perhaps even spend the winter, so that you may bring me forward on my journey to wherever I go. For verse seven, for I am unwilling to see you right now just in passing, but I hope later to remain for some time with you if the Lord permits. Now, here you get some insight into how rigid Paul's schedule was and into his travel plans. But I want you to notice how he wrote out that schedule in these verses. I want you to pay attention to some of the words he used. Obviously, they're a little different in the Greek, but they all have the same emphasis. I'm going to reread it and give the emphasis to the words. He says, after passing through Macedonia, I will visit you for I intend only to pass through Macedonia. But it may be that I will stay with you for a while, perhaps even spend the winter, so that you may bring me forward on my journey to wherever I may go. For I am unwilling to see you right now just in passing, but I hope for some time with you. I hope later to remain for some time with you. If... The Lord permits. You see, Paul is being intentional in his planning. You see his determination, but it is all held with an open hand. So while he makes plans according to the inclination of his heart and and the opportunities that are afforded him, his desire is to be yielded, to be obedient. And the thing we have to remember is we do not live in our plan, do we? We don't live by our plan. We're living in God's plan, and many of us are frustrated by that. 
We either want God's blessing on our plans or we want to operate with resignation. It says, whatever, God's in charge, I guess. God's in control. But that's not what he has for us. There is a balance that allows us to live in, in liberty and expectation. It is the recognition that we are in the plan of God, that he is the shepherd and we are the sheep, that we are not to judge our circumstances, but give thanks to God that all things work out together for our good. Now, I know some of you have been around small children. (laughs) And if you've been around small children, you will notice that they're making decisions almost faster than you can redirect them. They are not operating in the safety of their wise choices. They're not operating in safety because they're making right decisions. They are safe because you are there. That's why they're safe. They make plans. And so do you. They are intentional. And so are you. You don't work to keep them from planning or choosing. You work to teach them to plan and choose correctly. That's how we operate within the will of God. The plans that we make aren't safe because we prayed the right prayer. The plans that we made aren't safe because we did the right amount of due diligence. The plans we made aren't safe just because we planned it out. Most of us know how that works. The plans that we make are safe because He is with us. Now, we can define safety differently. Safe means that I'm guaranteed, no matter how horrendous my planning will be, that all things will work together for my good. That the plan of God will be completed in my life. The will of God will be done. Now you see Paul, as he approaches where he's going to go and what he's going to do, he holds it out and he says, you know what, Father, however you want to lead, I'm willing to follow. I'm making plans to go here, and if that's not your plan, let me know. I'm the sheep, you're the shepherd. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, you'll see that Paul's original plan was to go directly from Ephesus to Corinth, and from there to Macedonia, and then back to Corinth, and then to Jerusalem. But his plans changed for various reasons, including a huge uproar in Ephesus. So, he's actually saying, I do not wish to see you as I had formerly intended in passing or for a short visit. He wants to have an extended time with them based on what he's heard about what's going on in their church and the letter that he's received. So, Also, when you get to 2 Corinthians, you'll also see where Paul is super anxious about how this letter that he's writing to them is received and how excited he gets when Titus tells him that there's been repentance in the church as a result of God's working through that letter. Verses 8 and 9, he says, I will remain in Ephesus, however, until Pentecost, 
For a wide door of opportunity for effectual service has been opened to me there, a great and promising one, and there are many adversaries. And Paul did remain in Ephesus, and he remained there because there was a great harvest among the people. God was moving in a powerful way. Now, do you think that Paul believed for a second that he was essential to that? No. You see, now you, you can begin to see Paul's heart. He is traveling in the will of God. He is going where God sends him. Yes, he faces difficulties. Yes, he faces trial. Yes, he faces persecution. All of those things do happen. But what he sees is not distracted by that. What he sees is God literally pushing him forward into the great redemptive work that he is doing in the spreading of the gospel. He is making sure that Paul is on board everywhere he goes. And Paul's excited. He, you know, he mentions the persecution that's going on in Ephesus, the uproar in Ephesus, but that's not stopping him. He sees a great opportunity. God was making such headway in Ephesus that it began to cut into the profitability of the local idol makers. The local idol makers weren't getting quite as much business, so they blamed Paul and looked for a way to put him out. Ephesus, as you remember, was the major city in Asia Minor, a province of Rome. It had one of the seven wonders of the world at its center. That is the temple of uh, Diana or Artemis. It was such a great door for spreading the gospel because it was a port. It was of strategic importance. But you know what? I don't think Paul made the choice because of its strategic importance. I think Paul made the choice that he was going to be obedient to the work of God wherever God sent him, regardless of its strategic importance. I think of uh, Philip being transported <laughs> out in the middle of a desert for one man when he's in the midst of a huge revival. And God just picks him up, takes him out in the middle of nowhere to, to catch a chariot with an Ethiopian in the back of it to witness to him. You know, I, I think about that, and I think, God, why would you remove this man who, you know, is just in the middle of this great revival, just move him, send him out in the middle of nowhere? None of us are essential to the plan of God. We get, we get upset when God rearranges things around us because we believe that we're playing a critical role in all of this. We're not the critical portion of the plan. God is. God is. And that's why he can move us around. And he doesn't do it just to be arbitrary. And he doesn't do it just because he thinks that'll keep us from taking too much pride in what's going on. He does it because he wants to take us to the most optimum point to have the revelation of him. That's where we live. Did you ever notice that? That's a reality because this is God we're talking about here. We're not talking about, you know, your local travel planner. We're talking about God and he puts you at the optimum point to know him. That's where you are right now. 
Some of you think you're, you're stuck. But Paul realizes this. He even realizes it in, in, in jail, chained between soldiers. He, called, he, he believed he was at the high point of his ministry. Everybody else thought his ministry was dead. You see, we've got to have a whole different perspective about who we are and what God is doing in our lives. Verses 10 11. He writes, When Timothy arrives, see to it that you put him at ease so that he will, may be fearless among you, for he is devotedly doing the work, doing the Lord's work just as I am. So see to it that no one despises him or treats him as he were of no account or slights him, but sends him off cordially, speed him on his way in peace, that he may come to me, for I am expecting him to come along with the other brethren. Now, Timothy was, in fact, on his way through Macedonia, just as Paul had instructed him. And Paul's primary concern here is not for Timothy's safety or welfare. But how would he be received? You see, Timothy was quite young. And uh, given the pride and arrogance of the crew at the Corinthian church, he felt, Paul felt that they might be dismissive or disregard him. But understand something here. Paul is not protecting a fragile ego. That's not what's involved here. But he knows this about Timothy. He knows that God has his hand on Timothy's life and Timothy is going about the work of the Lord. Do you know what that means? That means that Christ is ministering through Timothy. Do you think it would be wise to disregard Christ? Do you think it would be wise to disrespect Christ? He's basically saying to them, listen to him, respect him. He comes in the name of the Lord just as I do. Paul puts him on an equal level with himself. Because he knows the Lord will speak through Timothy. And he says, listen to him. Don't disregard him. Paul wants the people to hear and see the Lord. You see, Father chooses the messenger. And it may not look exactly the way you think it ought to. Or they ought to. But he can speak through anybody and anything because he is the creator God who holds all things together by what? The word of his power. That means he can speak. And don't disregard. We don't disregard. We don't spend time going around thinking this is, this is going to be worthy and this is, this is going to say, uh, speak truth. And this is, we don't have to spend a lot of time doing all that sorting because frankly we don't know. We're sheep and we don't even know which pasture. But what God tells us is this. Look for me. Look for me. If you look for me, you look for truth. And if you look for me, then you'll hear the truth. Verse 12. As for our brother Apollos, 
I urgently encouraged him to visit you with the other brethren, but it was not at all his will or God's, God's will or God's will that he should go now. He will come when he has an opportunity. Apollos, you may remember, had ministered among the Corinthians before. In fact, he was named in the first chapter as one of those guys that the people followed, right? He was a well-studied man, was known to be very eloquent. Yet, he was better known for his faithfulness and for truth and his heart for God. Now, here Paul demonstrates that he's not under Paul's authority. He was simply a fellow minister in Christ. Now, Paul trusts his decision not to come. But more than that, Paul can see God's will in it. He says it wasn't his will and it wasn't God's will. Now, usually when you ask somebody to do something and you only ask it because you feel like it's very important, and particularly if you're a man of God like Paul and you're, you feel like you're operating within the will of God and you're constantly looking for God's will in everything, and you've put, it's in your heart to ask this man to come and he says, no, I'm not going to come now. Well, the first thing you think, well, that, that fellow's just missed God. Right? No. Paul doesn't eat, you don't hear you don't hear a critical word. In fact, Paul turns and says, Hey, it's God's will. I trust his decision because I know his heart. And if he said no, it's because it was God's will. Period. And you know what? He'll come when he can. I'm not going to stress over it. I can't tell you how many times I have thought that the answer to a situation was something specific, some person, some word that they may bring, some situation. And I'm sure about this. I prayed for the success of it, and I believed that it was the way to go. And I've gone to that person, and I've looked for that result, and it it was just a no. Just a no. And I look at them and think, well, you haven't put the prayer into this, I have. You know, if you'd spent the time praying about this that I have, you would see that it's the will of God. I sure hope you repent and get right. But you know what? It, the answer to every circumstance and situation is not the person that you get involved in. it. It's not the man that you think has the message. It's not the circumstances that you can manipulate. It's the God within the circumstance. That's the answer. You know, we would take so much fear and anxiety out of our lives if we begin to see the truth of our God. Do you know why the Bible says fear not? Do you know why the Bible says be anxious for nothing? Well, everything that the Bible tells us to be or to do or not to do, He has corrected that issue in your new creation. I want to tell you, at the center of who you are, there is no fear. Do you think there's fear in the presence of Christ? There is no fear there. In the center of who you are, do you think there's anxiety? 
Some of us are going through circumstances that we could be very anxious about or may be very anxious about. But do we recognize who's got our life? Do we recognize who's in control? Do we think that somehow that we're the red-headed stepchild of the kingdom? Or do we believe that He is going to do everything possible to bring us into truth, to walk in His will, and to be blessed in the truth of who we are in Christ? Don't we believe that? If we really believe that, and we want what He wants, then we've got nothing to be anxious about, do we? Because there's not a power in heaven or on earth that can stop it. You know what? I am a new creation made in His image. Made perfectly with His life written into me. I am made for Him. I am made for worship. I am made for praise. I am made for obedience. I am made for the epitome of everything that God ever wanted in a child of God. He literally created it in me. Oh, that sounds pretty arrogant, doesn't it? It's the truth of every child of God. And if I believe that is so, then I know that whatever happens on this earth happens for the purpose of ripping away all that is frail, all that is, that is sinful, all that is distorted, all that is out of sync with Him, and shining forth the truth of who I am at the very center of my being. That's what Paul understood. Paul said, Father, I don't know what to do. I'm so weak. Paul, it's like Jesus went there and just kind of ripped Paul like this and says, look, in your weakness is my strength. Look at the center of you, Paul. In your weakness is my strength. Okay, verse 13. Verse 13 says, be alert. On And on your guard, stand firm in your faith, your conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, keeping the trust and holy fervor born of faith and a part of it. Act like men and be courageous. Grow in strength. 14. Let everything you do be done in love, true love to God and man and inspire and inspired by God's love for us. You know, when we read this verse, we kind of see Paul acting like a, almost like a commanding general talking to his troops out on the battlefield. And notice that Paul writes to them, he says, stand firm in the faith. It doesn't say not, it does not say in faith. It says in the faith. Why? The reason is that Paul is telling them to stand in the truth. To stand in the doctrine that he has instructed them in. You see, the Corinthians hadn't stood fast in that. They had drifted into all sorts of distortion. They'd embraced sin and heresy. And this verse is akin, really, to what he wrote in uh, chapter 15, verse 58. We talked about that one. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of God. The work of the Lord. So look at the imperatives here. Be alert or watch. Do not deviate from the truth. Trust and hold fast by faith. 
Act like men and be courageous. Being alert means to keep your focus. Bring every thought captive. Hold to the truth. That's an act of faith. That's not an act of feeling. I mean, that's not something we necessarily feel. It's not even something that's necessarily true in our circumstances. It's a determination to believe the truth. It's a determination to believe in your God. Hold on to the truth. Holding on to the truth doesn't make it true. I have a lot of people, I know a lot of people seem to have that conviction if I could just believe. Well, truth is true whether you believe it or not. But holding on to the truth says that by faith, this is so. I don't feel it. I don't see it. I don't reckon it in my circumstances. But by your word, by your presence, by your life in me, by faith, I believe it is so. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.